Now to Queensland and a court decision in favour of Brisbane mum Mandy Sicaria. The Industrial Court of Queensland recently ruled that the former employee of McDonald's is entitled to workers' compensation. Mandy Sicaria's lawyer is Candace Heisler. Mandy is a single mum. She's got a couple of kids. She's had a bit of a rough time. She's a hard worker. She had worked for McDonald's for about seven years as a crew member until she had her injury. And that injury occurred on the 1st of November 2016. What happened on that evening? It did. She usually worked the night shift at the Richlands McDonald's store. She turned up at work 10 minutes before her shift. She went for a cigarette, which was up a ladder and on a a flat roof out the back of the store. As she was coming down the ladder, she fell and had a quite serious break in her right leg. So she broke her leg as she descended the ladder. And how did that injury affect her ability to work? She hasn't Return to work, certainly not at McDonald's. She still struggles walking, being on her feet for long periods of time. She has attempted a return to work for Meals on Wheels, just doing some cleaning work, but her manager has said that she really struggled. She's still got pain, swelling in the the leg, so it still affects her quite profoundly to this day. So your client, Mandeb Sakaria, applied for workers' compensation. This was mm-hmm. rejected by the Queensland Work Cover Authority, and this mm-hmm. rejection You appealed this and this rejection was upheld by the the Queensland Industrial Relations Commission. In a nutshell, why was it turned down? It was turned down on the basis that at the time she had her injury, her employment wasn't a significant contributing factor. In Queensland, you can make an application to work cover for what we call statutory compensation, so long as you meet the requirements in the legislation, which is that you're a worker, you have an injury, your injury has arisen during the course of your employment, and employment is a significant contributing factor. The dispute in her case, was whether or not her employment, that is her duties, was a significant contributing factor at the time of her injury. However, you need to then do one step further and there's another section of the legislation which says that you are still entitled to make an application if the event happens on a day that you're required to attend your place of employment while you're temporarily absent from your place of employment during an ordinary recess. That was the section that you appealed and you appealed to the Industrial Court of Queensland. What was your argument? Our argument was that her employment conditions required her to attend for her shift 10 minutes before her actual shift commence. So her shift commences at 9pm. She turns up at 8.50pm. She goes and puts her things away and she's still got 10 minutes. She can't start work. So she can't start her duties as a crew member until 9pm. But it's just to help with the transition between the relevant staff. That is when she decided, I'm going to take a break. She went for a cigarette. Then we said where she was injured, the roof and necessarily the ladder follows, wasn't her place of employment at that particular time. It wasn't connected with her work duties. There were times where it was and she needed to go up on the roof to clean. They put Christmas decorations up. But at this particular time, she wasn't actually at work. So we said, whilst the McDonald's controlled 
the roof and access to the roof. It was within the premises. It wasn't actually her place of employment at that particular time. But it didn't um, matter that it wasn't her place of employment at the time because she no. was on a, a break within a work shift, even though presumably she wasn't being paid for that 10 minutes that she was there for the transition. Exactly. She was effectively given a forced 10-minute break before her shift starts. But I understand that this rooftop, where she climbed a ladder to this rooftop from a storeroom, this rooftop was not a designated smoking area. She didn't seek permission to go up to the roof. There was no explicit or even implicit encouragement to use the roof for a smoko. There was even a warning sign restricting access to the roof. What about all those factors? Why do you say that they should be not considered the most important factors when it comes to deciding whether your client gets compensation or not? Because the section of the legislation, it it doesn't even need to get that far. Firstly, there's certainly a factual dispute about any location of the sign and what the sign said. We have some evidence that suggests at least a different sign was put up after her incident, but we also had arguments that there was a common practice amongst staff that they went up the ladder and they had a smoke. We have photographs, you know, they might have had drinks on New Year's Eve because there's, you know, a lovely view. Because we argued that she was temporarily absent from that place of employment, we didn't even need to get that far. Yes, there may be some argument there was a sign there, but It's common practice. So in these types of claims, if it's common practice and no one says, hey, you actually need to stop doing that, the onus falls back on on your employer to actually take steps to train and direct and instruct your staff that that's not a practice that is actually allowed. There was some dispute because she was an employee when she would be working that did need to go up and down. So if the sign says authorised personnel only, She was actually authorised personnel, at least at certain points. To clean the roof or to put up... Yeah, to clean the roof or those types of things. But it does sound counterintuitive. If you're you're clearly instructed not to do something, you go ahead and do it anyway. Should your employer have to carry the can? Well, that's the dispute here. We have a factual dispute about what practices were happening at the place of employment at the time. Employers will often do inductions and training, but in practice, when they've been working there for a number of years, they haven't been retrained, but employers will commonly supervise and witness their staff doing something that might be considered to be counterintuitive and they don't actually do anything about it. So in those types of cases, sometimes the piece of paper isn't worth the training that they're alleging to, to have. I once represented a, a young man. He was a labourer. He was on a work site down on the Gold Coast. He was very young. He was brand new into the labour. His boss was on the site. He asked him to unscrew some metal. They were for demountable housing. So they were building and taking down these frames for demountable housing that would ordinarily go out to the mines. My client had got down on the ground. He put his arm and his head underneath these metal frames, which probably weighed 300 kilos. He unscrewed them, but there was nothing to hold them up. So when he unscrewed them, the top part of the frame fell on him and he had a compound fracture in his arm. But his employer... They argued contributory negligence. That was a very silly thing to do. And we said, but you watched him. You stood there and you watched him do it and you didn't say, 
you actually need to put a support underneath that while you unscrew it. So those types of things really can impact the outcome of the assessment of whether or not there may be a contributory negligence argument. Mm. It's about uh, not just the instructions, but... Uh, it's about the practice as it's, well. It's about it the It is practice. about the... Par- yeah. Candice Heisler, more broadly, um, when it comes to workers' compensation, if you're at work and then you go on your lunch break, you go for a walk, you have an accident, mm-hmm. is that a workplace accident for the purposes of workers' compensation? I would say yes. You'd be looking at the same sort of provisions in Ms Zakaria's case, that you're temporarily absent from your place of employment on an ordinary recess. So if you're on the, on your lunch break or your morning tea break and you get injured, yes. Even if you've gone for a, a two-kilometre walk around the city? There might be some arguments about what the delay is, but it's quite common practice. I certainly know working in, in Brisbane City that people, you know, they go to their gym on their lunch break or they do just go for a wander around because you've got to get out of the office and get some fresh air and clear your head and all those sorts of things. I mean, a two-kilometre walk, you might have an argument, but I I would say you your prospects of success are are high, but you've got to look at the facts of every single case. Even if you're, you're going to the gym and you sustain an injury there or you're going for a jog and you, you fall over? Yeah, absolutely. What about an accident that takes place when you're travelling to or from work? There is a journey provision in the Queensland Workers' Compensation and Rehabilitation Act. So if you're on a journey to and from work, you are entitled to make an application to work cover for compensation if you're injured. There's always some consideration about whether or not there's been a substantial delay. An example might be if you're going home from work, you've got to pick up your kids from school or daycare or whatever that might be. Ordinarily, you will still be covered. You've got to really look at the definition of substantial and the reason for the delay, how long is the delay? So perhaps if you were going home, you stopped at Chermside for two hours, you did some shopping, that may be considered to be a substantial delay. But if you just stopped into Coles to pick up dinner and then you continued on your journey, that may not be a substantial delay. The most common example is people get into a car accident to or from work you are still covered by your workers' compensation. I mean, it's not your, not necessarily your employer's fault. You may have separate proceedings against the relevant CTP insurer if the car accident isn't your fault, but you can get your medical expenses, lost wages and rehab from work cover. If you proceed with the CTP claim, you'll then have to refund those amounts to work cover, but that's all considered in those proceedings. And what's the CTP? CTP is your compulsory third party. So you pay your car registration, there's compulsory third party insurance. They cover the injured person. And is that principle, that idea that you're covered by work cover for injuries sustained travelling to and from work, irrespective of, of their connection to your work, is that a general principle around the country or do different rules operate in different jurisdictions? Different rules operate in different jurisdictions, so it is very much a state-by-state consideration. My understanding is a lot of jurisdictions have removed the journey provisions. I think it's an important provision. In my view, workers should be covered to and from their journey from work. There's only one reason they're on that particular journey. It's to go to work. But you've got to check check your state. 
Check your state, yeah. There was a case in Queensland a few years ago, Dreardon, and that was a man, mm-hmm. I understand, he worked at, at a meatworks. He was walking to his car after his shift, which was parked mm-hmm. in, in the car park on the premises of the meatworks, and he was attacked by a man with a baseball bat. Was that deemed to be covered by work cover, that attack? Yeah, it was. It's a similar consideration to Ms Sakaria's where in that particular instance, the car park was under the control of this poor gentleman's employer, but it wasn't part of his place of employment at that particular time. The judge said, well, place of employment doesn't necessarily have to be the environment, say, in the meatworks itself, but the car park was attached. He wasn't performing his duties at that time, but he was on that recess. He was on that recess even though he'd actually finished finished his shift. Yes. There has usually got to be some form of connection with your employment, but the reason he was in that car park was because of his work, but he wasn't performing his work duties. And certainly here in Queensland, you've got your journey claims as well. You're likely to be covered so long as there there's some connection or requirement to be where you are because of your work. Finally, Candice Heisler, coming back to your client, Amanda Sicaria, how important is this decision, do you think? It's certainly a a precedent in the sense that Justice Martin has reconfirmed the importance of interpreting ambiguity in the legislation for the benefit of the worker, ensuring that there's a broad consideration about the employment conditions and requirements for workers to be at that particular place at a particular time. It could have been a very different outcome if her employment didn't require her to be at McDonald's prior to the commencement of her shift. But you still have to look at all the facts of a particular case. Candice Heisler, thank you so much for speaking to The Law Reporter. A really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for having me.